Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's Agri-Report. I'm Jim Finn. Now, later on in the programme, I will be talking to John Cross, who is the chairperson of the IFA Sheep Committee here in the county. I will also be talking to Ewan Mullins, and Ewan, Ewan will be talking about the Chagas National Tillage Conference, which is taking place in Lyra House in Kilkenny on next Wednesday. And my final guest this morning will be Katrina Morrissey from the Irish Farmers Journal, and she will be talking about the number of tractors and farm machinery and small implements that are being stolen from farms at the moment and some of the precautions that farmers might be able to take to avoid having their equipment stolen. My first guest this morning is Sean Cooney from Chagas and uh, we're going to cover three topics if, if, if we have time uh, to get through to the three of them. One is the nitrates changes, two is chemical fertiliser application and grazing management and the third one is sheep nutrition. Good morning Sean and thanks very much for joining us. Morning Jim. Now Sean, uh, let's start off there with the, with the first one. Nitrates changes, there are quite a few. That's right, Jim. So I'm just going to give you a brief overview of some of the ones that I would think that could catch out some of my clients in the region and farmers in general. So I suppose I'll just quickly run down through a few of the key points. So the first one there to mention is um, there's a 10% cut in chemical nitrogen allowance across all farms um, from 2022 onwards. Um, all farms stocked at an organic nitrogen uh, figure of over 130 are required to have soil samples in order to have a pea allowance on their, on, on their farm for 2023. So anyone that's stocked over 130 needs needs to be need, needs to soil sample. Um, if if you're in doubt about that, if you consulted your advisor, he'll be able to tell you quite quickly whether, whether you're in this bracket or not. And I suppose it's important to be doing that in the coming days because, as we know, um, the slurry season has opened, so for some, it, it could even be too late for taking samples if they've applied slurry to parts of their farm. So I suppose it's, if, if you're in that category, it's important that you go about soil samples. I know a lot of people have been contacted. They've contacted me in the office and, and they are working towards it. Um, so I suppose the, the next big change I'd say there is um, the same for tillage farms. There's no chemical peel out on tillage farms where there's no soil samples either. Um, and I suppose the other thing then is people that are importing um, organic manures, uh, cattle slurry or pig slurry, They'll also need need to have need to have uh, soil samples in order to to prove that they that they can take in this slurry. Um, just on, with regard to the slurry spreading, then um, so it's another change that's there to the nitrates. Um, so I suppose any farm just that has an organic nitrogen figure of 150 kilos of of organic nitrogen per hectare has to use a low emission slurry spreading technique um, from 2023. So that's this year. Um, it, and that's going to lower every year, so it'll be 130 in 24, and it'll be 100 kilos in 2025. So I suppose long-term low emission slurry spreading is going to become mandatory on a lot of farms as we go forward. So right. that's kind of all I have to say on the on, on the, the nitrates. On, on the nitrates at the moment. Then chemical fertilizer application uh, during the grazing season and managing it. Okay, so I suppose Jim, look, um, as you know, the 
the open period for spreading chemical fertilizers is the 27th of January. Um, that's that's approaching now, so I suppose I'd encourage all farmers to, um, if they haven't bought a fertilizer now, they, they, they should be actively thinking about sourcing that in the, in the, in the coming days. I know a lot of farmers out there ha have bought it. Um, I suppose just to mention the product of choice um, in early spring would be uh, uh, urea, protected urea, because it's it's a more stable product than can. As you know, can, can products are soluble in water, and um, whereas whereas uh, urea is is, is is more stable. Um, just to say, I suppose the second thing there, just to mention, is uh, water quality is a very important issue at the moment, and and has been in the past. But I suppose. Just to remind farmers, um, when, they, when they're spreading fertilizer for two weeks after the opening period, they're supposed to stay back 10 meters back from uh, surface water. And it's five meters in once two weeks moves on. So just in the early part of the season, they're, they're required to stay back 10 meters. So I'll, I'd remind them of that. The other thing I'd say is um, I'd encourage farmers to, to maybe invest in the GPS technology where, where um, they're, they're spreading fertilizer with, with precision on grasslands. So I suppose it's, it's it's a dear commodity at the moment, so it's important to get value for your book. Right. Is there so, any... Yeah, sorry. I'll just, be, uh, uh, just to ask yeah, you one, for... one question yeah. there. Uh, you know, it, it, is fertilizer readily available now at the moment? Um, Jim, from what I'm hearing, there's there's no... There doesn't seem to be any shortage of fertilizer in, in, in local crops or, or merchant stores. So I think on that front, it's good. Um, prices may vary around, so I suppose I'd encourage farmers if they haven't bought it ahead already, maybe shop around and, and see what's out there, value for money. But like I would say, going back to what I spoke about early yeah. on, um, it's important that farmers um, know what their farm requires from the point of view of using soil samples, and I suppose buying buying the fertilizer based based on the fertilizer plan, as opposed to just going out and buying it with with no with no knowledge. Rightio, and then moving on then to uh, sheep nutrition at the moment. Okay, so Jim, I suppose and this this was part of my brief. I was asked to talk about yeah. sheep and, and the programme. So, look, I suppose at the moment, as you know, the sheep trade is under significant pressure at the moment. Um, a lot of sheep farmers there are working at a, at a loss at the moment, particularly any of those finishing lambs. We're down as low as 6.20 this week, which is well below the cost of uh, production there. Um, meal was never as high, I suppose, in price, so I suppose that's that's the first thing to mention. But I suppose, look, where a lot of my farmers are in the region at the moment, um, most of them are, are, are lambing there in mid-March, start of April, so they're mid-season mid lambing flocks. So I suppose where they're at now at the moment is um, most of them would have scanned or would be in the process of scanning at the moment, um, and they'd be trying to put a, a feeding regime in place. So just a few key pointers I'd mentioned there is um, I suppose the level of concentrate feeding required will be determined by the number of lambs being carried by the O. Um, and I suppose you'll be feeding accordingly. So I suppose you'll be starting there um, 10 weeks out from lambing at, at, uh, at, at a pound, and you'll be going up point two fortunately from there on, on in. So, and I suppose then coming up to the coming up to two weeks pre-lambing, you'll be you'll be ensuring that you have a high protein level in in, in the diet. Um, because because you want to be open around 21%, as you know, as the fetus grows and the O her intake reduces of of, of raw fish that she's able to take in. So you need you're taking in a low level of of, of, of forage, but a high quality forage, which is usually in the form of concentrates or more than likely 
she'd probably take in she'd probably take in just around a kilo that's about her intake there coming up to lemon right um, so i suppose the importance of, of protein there um you'd be looking for a ration that's up on 20 21 percent protein there coming up to lemon for the, the reason being it's important for to, so that you produce this high quality colostrum there um for the lamb during, during the first few days of life right and um Anything else to uh, add to that as far as sheep nutrition is concerned, Connor? Um, look, oh, Sean, sorry. Look, yeah, the only thing I'd say is, um, look, ration, as I mentioned early on, is, 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 is very high, but I suppose I'd urge farmers to maybe just to, to check and make sure that the, that the ingredients in the ration are of high quality. Um, you'd like to see cereals and pulp base um, ingredients in the first four four ingredients of, of your of your ration. So I suppose what I say to farmers is even though it's expensive, don't compromise on under on the ration you're buying. A lot of farmers and are shopping around trying to get good value for money, but I suppose with the cost of ingredients at the moment, it's that's easier said than done. I suppose so. I would say to farmers just to if they are feeding the ration, just to make sure that what they're feeding is 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 of high quality. And um, would most of your clients then, uh, Sean, would they, would their sheep be housed at the moment or would a lot of them be still out on uh, land? A lot of would be out on land, but mm-hmm. as they come up close to lambing, they'd be housing them. And I right. suppose, look, ultimately, um, I've encouraged a lot of clients in the region to get uh, silage analysis done. And I suppose the, the difference is there, basically, the better the quality of silage, the lower the, the level of concentrate that's, that's, that's required in the O's diet. So you'll have a range there from point, 0.58 of UFL in quality if they're down at 52 DMD versus 0.84 UFL if they're up at 75 DMD. And I suppose if you look at the, there's, there's a, I suppose there's a massive, there's a massive um, cost saving for those farmers that have high quality silage made during the summer when you look at the price of concentrates at the moment. Okay, well, look, at for this morning, we'll leave it there. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. That listeners was Sean Cooney from Jagas uh, talking about the three topics that I we mentioned at the beginning. That's the nitrate changes, chemical fertilizer application for the grazing season and uh, sheep nutrition. Thanks, Jim. Listeners, my next guest this morning is John Cross, and John is the chairperson of the IFA Sheep Committee here in the county for South Tipperary, and uh, there's a lot going on as far as sheep is concerned in the coming week, but I suppose more importantly, uh, sheep farmers are not doing very well at the moment, and I'm quite sure john will allude to that good morning john and thanks for joining us thank you jim okay now john uh where would you like to start <laughs> well i suppose uh, i know you had kevin Comis- comiskey the chair of the national sheep committee on last week about dog attacks and i just want to highlight it again you know how severe the dog attacks were both in laura and Munigal. And I believe there was another dog attack lately again in Clonine outside Feathered. So uh, it is very, very, uh, uh, you know, for sheep at this time of the year, which goes heavily in lamb, you know, a dog attack can do a lot of damage. So I just want to impress on listeners that they should know 
uh, with our doggies at all times. And, uh, and, and even when they're out for a walk, you know, to keep the dog on a lead, you know. And I suppose as well as that, uh, uh, it should be compulsory now for all dogs to be licensed and chipped because uh, uh, sometimes what happens is that uh, if a farmer shoots a dog that's attacking his sheep, the problem is that the dog is not chipped, so there is no proof of who the owner is. So um, I suppose that's the, the main thing on, on dog attacks, and it is a, a never, it's a problem every year, and, uh, uh, and it's... Uh, uh, it caused a lot of hardship uh, for both sheep and farmer. Of course it does, John, and I wish that this was a television programme because I was shown some horrific photographs taken from the attacks in Monegal and Lara. And I can tell you one thing, they were absolutely frightening. But unfortunately, we're on radio, so we can't show you any pics, but... Uh, as I said, they were awful. Now, you have two conferences that you want to cover. Uh, the first one is the IFA uh, conference in La- Athlone, and that's happening on Monday. Is that right, John? That's correct. Uh, next Monday, uh, uh, up in Athlone, it's the Radisson Blue Hotel in Athlone at 8pm. Now, the purpose of this uh, IFA sheep meeting is to highlight the very poor prices that sheep farmers are getting this year, this particular, at the moment, it's nearly one euro a kilogram behind last year's prices, which is works out about 20 euros a head per lamb. And at that price, uh, it just doesn't uh, pay. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. particularly now, as you know, costs have gone up uh, 40%. That's that figure that's there now where we all know the cost of feed and fertiliser. And uh, the margins from sheep production were quite good last year. Uh, but this year, uh, it could re- reflect badly then for the coming year. Uh, if, if, for instance, the store lamb buyers that go out to buy lamb next September, October, if they do not get a return on their money uh, this spring, uh, they will not go back to buy lamb again. So uh, it is, you know, for a meat that's so good, so nutritious, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, at the moment, uh, it's the, the sheep, the margins and sheep are down at the bottom of the pile compared to all the other en- enterprises. And uh, uh, something has to be done uh, to keep sheep farmers in business because uh, there are, you know, uh, there is a, a steady fall. I remember yeah. not so long ago there was five million euros in the country. Now it's down to two and a half, and half of those are are grazed on the mountains. So, um, a mountain and hills. So, mm-hmm. and of course, there's no alternative in those areas. Uh, you know, there'd be sucker cows as well in mm-hmm. in most of those areas. So, uh, and what's uh, annoying a lot of sheep farmers is that the, the government, uh, the, the, you know, the, the Minister for yeah. Agriculture in the, rec- in the recent budget, mm-hmm. there was no increase in the, the direct payment. You notice that uh, 
sheep farmers get the sheep welfare scheme and uh, is 10 euros ahead for carrying out uh, welfare, uh, uh, let's say, practices on your sheep farm. And uh, 10 euros ahead, now the new scheme is called the Sheep Improvement Programme and it went up from 10 to 12 euros. And, uh, you know, that's not going to encourage uh, someone to go into sheep, you know, if that's all the direct support. In other words, there was no contribution in the budget to get help sheep farmers over this period. And I understand that that going from 10 to 12 euros is for the duration of the current cap which that and that goes up to 2027 so you know yes. things are going to not get cheaper between now and 2027 so uh, by the time 2027 comes the sheep farmer will be at a loss there big time exactly mm. and uh, in, so the IFA sheep meeting uh, is on next Monday mm-hmm. uh, January the 23rd uh, at the Radisson Blue Hotel in at loan at 8 p.m. And now it's chaired by the IFA president, Tim Cullinan. Uh, the speakers will include Kevin Comiskey, who's the IFA sheep chair. There'll be a speaker from Chagas uh, going through the production costs in sheep farms, which I said earlier could be up to 40% increase this year. Borbia then will have a representative talk on the market performance and prospects. And then... Irish Country Meats uh, will give a, a processor's market uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, the, the other side of this then as well is uh, uh, that I suppose what contributes this uh, at the moment seemingly is that in China there is a less demand for sheep meat and consequently both Australia and New Zealand are sending in frozen lamb into the UK, and they've done uh, what we call a, a trade deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. And considering that the UK are out of Brexit, they've increased their sheep meat exports to Europe, so that'd be fresh lamb by up to 15%. So they're competing uh, directly with Irish lamb on the French market, so that's probably contributing uh, somewhat to the lower price that sheep farmers are getting, because in fairness, the factories would be competing uh, with the UK lamb on the French market. Okay, so that's the IFA conference. Now, you also tell me that uh, the Chagas National Sheep Conference is taking place on Thursday next. That's correct. Uh, now, there are two conferences, uh, one up in uh, 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 of Monaghan, yeah. because I presume listeners around here will not be uh, interested in. However, on Thursday the 26th, uh, in the Brandon House uh, Hotel in New Ross, uh, Chagas are holding their National Sheep Conference. Mm. And uh, they have four very good speakers. They have a New Zealand speaker uh, on the Warm resistance in sheep and mm-hmm. their experience of it. Then we have three speakers from Chagas, one on organic sheep farming. Then there's another speaker on greenhouse gas uh, emissions on, on the average sheep farm. And then uh, another speaker on the 
the addition of clovers and herbs to swords uh, uh, and the effect on animal and sword performance. So that's uh, uh, New Ross is not too far away and uh, four very good speakers and it's on next Thursday the, the 26th at 7pm and uh, so for someone in sheep I think uh, both conferences would, would be well worth attending mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so the IFA conference obviously next Monday uh, the 23rd uh, in Athlone uh, at the Radisson Blue Hotel and that's on at 8pm and uh, Chagas 1 is on at 7pm down in New Ross yeah the Brandon House Hotel in New Ross and the thing I like about that particular conference John is that uh, there is a bit in it for the hill sheep farmer that's correct, yes. And uh, in fairness, uh, uh, the hill sheep farmers, you know, are producing a, a quality product of of uh, very poor, you know, p- yeah. what we call uh, poor quality herbage, herbage which cannot be u- utilised by any other. Uh, now, in fairness, years have gone by. Cattle would have been and suckers would have been up the hills. <laughs> But in fairness, the, 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 the Scotch blackface yo mm-hmm. is a very good converter of roughage to, to meat and very good quality meat. And uh, I think those farmers need all the support that they, they can get to keep that system going. Because as we all know, uh, of all the fires that occurred down, down around southern Europe, and that's because the hills were left un, ungrazed and they became uh, masses of scrub. And we do not want to see that here in Ireland. So basically, um, that the, the powers that be would want to look at the, uh, the, value. At the production, yeah. at sheep production, and yeah. see how it can be supported to keep it, because, you know, to keep it as a viable enterprise, because there is a lot of jobs between the factories and you know people that supply the in inputs as well, so I feel you know at the he's at the bottom of the pile at the moment in, in across the agricultural spectrum I suppose, yeah. and it would want to be uh, uh, you know as a meat you know as we all know it is highly nutritious and uh, you know I suppose all that is probably not highlighted enough uh, you know that he's a very good quality food look at for this morning we'll have to leave it there john thanks ever so much for joining us that listeners was john cross who is the sheep committee chair with the ifa in south tipperary thank you jim listeners my next guest this morning is ewan mullins and ewan is with me to talk about a tillage conference good morning ewan and thanks very much for joining us Good morning, Jim. Great to be on the show. Okay, tillage conference. Well, what lovely menu are we going to have? I will look at. We we have a very busy show next Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, January the twenty fifth in the Lyrath in Kilkenny, and I suppose we know we look at the season we had last year for the tillage sector, a very good season in spite of the fact that the input costs were so high, and then we look out to twenty twenty three, and those input costs are still very high, but unfortunately the grain price is creeping down, so. 
So growers have a lot of challenges in the sector at the moment. And the idea of the, sh of the conference next Wednesday is to touch on how research and I suppose science advice is driving changes in management so that people can make choices about managing their crops and the agronomy of, the shops, uh, of their crops based on, on, on research-backed evidence. Right. So, and and uh, as you quite rightly said, you know, the tillage farmers had a reasonably good year uh, in 2022. But things have changed and the science has changed as to how we now grow grain. You know, uh, different tillage systems have uh, mm. uh, evolved, would be the better yeah. word to say. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're now breeding, I suppose, better seed varieties than we had in the past. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're spot on. I mean, growers' perceptions about crop establishment systems, whether it's min-till, direct drill or, or ploughing, that's all changing because mm -hmm. uh, the sector is responding uh, to some of the demands, be it, you know, climate impact, etc. But also costs uh, and the cost of diesel, etc. are all they're only going one way at the moment. Uh, and all these things bite into the margin at the end of the day. But, I mean, you mentioned varieties as well. The varieties have to be the best. Um, you know, you have to, there's a huge investment in putting a crop in the ground for something that you won't harvest for many, many months. So establishing it has to be has to be as often as possible. But also that variety has to be able to deliver. But once you get that in the ground, that's only the start. The next thing is to control the diseases. And there's quite a bit of work done here in Oak Park with partners. And that will be presented next Wednesday in regard to managing BYDV barley yellow dwarf virus uh, of our barley crops and also ramularia, septoria. These are the, the these diseases haven't gone away. They're still there. They're constant every year and the management has to be tailored very, very carefully. Now, you're in a very uh, good part of the country up there and there's no doubt at all about it, but where you are in Carlo, excellent tillage land. But yeah. the past month has been so wet that that has yeah. had, must have had a detrimental uh, effect on crops in some parts of the country. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I suppose when you look back to the autumn, we had, we had a mm. wet autumn uh, mm -hmm. in general and parts of the early winter. So that definitely has impacted on winter cropping, which is back on previous years. So that's going to put a drive on, on spring cropping and spring cereals in, in the coming weeks. Now there's no there's no shortage of materials to support that, which is great. The sea trade are very are very clear on that, um, and the the key thing is that the weather at the moment, while look it's cold and it's wet and it's damp, in terms of when you listen to our specialist tillage advisors, they're very clear. You know that before making any decisions on a winter sown crop, let it go for another few weeks until we get a bit of growth, and then 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 decisions can be made. Yeah, because I've been, you know, done a bit of driving and there's a lot of crops uh, where there's large areas of it underwater and that yeah. doesn't argue well. That's going to be a problem. For, no, it can no, be a, it, it can be a problem. Anyway, get back to the conference. So what is a tillage farmer going to hear in Lyrit House on next Wednesday? Well, look, what we have is we, we have five sessions uh, running through the day. It, it's uh, Doors open at 9 o'clock and kicks off at 9.30. We'd ask people to pre-register at chagas.ie slash events uh, in advance. It just makes it easier at, at the, the walk-in. People can go straight to the coffee stand and get their coffee and take a seat. But the key thing is, and this is all based on feedback we've had from, from our attendees over the years, is that they, they really enjoy the engagement, the interaction with speakers. So all the sessions are only 45 minutes long. 
and then there's a break after them but in within that session there's a good 10 or 15 minutes for interaction with the speakers through one of the apps slido apps so people can ask questions comment etc and that's really good because that that's the feedback we need as a research program and agenda we need to make sure we're on point so we we value that feedback so there's uh in just in terms of the sessions themselves there's one yeah. on dydb there's one on crop management in terms of diseases we talked about there also a, a a new project that we're starting in 2023 on it's an impact assessment on the sustainable use regulation people would would obviously be very familiar with farm to fork and reducing the need to reduce fungicides and pesticides by 50 percent well, the, the sustainable use regulation is basically a legal a legal framework, building a legal framework to support that drive to reduce things by fifty, reduce the use of PPPs by fifty percent. So there, we need to look at the impact of that. Like that's that's going to be a, a monumental change in how we grow crops in this country, and it's going to be dependent on designing and developing robust IPM strategies, integrated pest management strategies. So a lot of our work that we'll present in next Wednesday are, is around the building blocks of those IPM strategies. And we also have a very exciting session on plant protein crops. Uh, okay. Plant protein crops are really very important break crop in our rotations. Fabadeen is there's, there's a good payment on the protein aid scheme with it, but it's, it, it adds so much to a rotation in terms of resilience in the soils, good pollinator activity. And um, and it's also a fantastic break crop. So we have exciting work on that with two projects because there's actually a huge demand within the food industry for plant protein. So there, there's a huge added value potential there as well. And then we have a session in the afternoon on cultivations and weeds and uh, black grass and other grass weeds are, are a really serious threat to our tillage systems at the moment. Like we look to the UK and you see the, the nightmare scenario they've had there with some of the many fields and areas coming out of production because of grass weed infestation. So thanks, I suppose, to the action and the vigilance of the sector, the tillage sector in Ireland and the sea trade and all other stakeholders, we're, we're managing to, to beat it back, but it's, it's a constant and we have to be extremely vigilant. So we have two very good speakers on that as well. Okay, and staying with those uh, species that arrive that we don't want in our crop of barley or crop of wheat, as one would drive sometimes through the country, there's quite a bit of wild oats out there, and it's desperately hard to control. Are there sprays out there now that can control them? Because sprays seem to be becoming less of an option nowadays than they were in the past. Yeah, no, there are, there are, yeah. and um, Vijay Vaskar, one of the yeah. speakers at the event next week, will will detail some of the, the spray options for that. But we we do have herbicide tolerance, and we do have yeah. herbicide issues with some of our our weed populations. Um, so it, it's again, it's it's you know the the automatic solution in a can. Uh, there are options there, which is a very important, especially when it comes to to weed control. But it's very important to know what's happening on your farm in terms of the incidence of these, of these weeds, but also the control measures and, and to be to be mindful of the rates and all the other actions that, that the advisory service in, in Chagas and independent advisors are giving on it. Because, you know, I mean, the, the, the stats out during the week about black grass, it's well known, like one single black grass plant, you know, you're looking at up to six million seeds per hectare if left uncontrolled. So very, very quickly, it can become a very serious problem. Yeah, I'm only thinking of going back 20, 25, 30 years ago, uh, going into a field of barley and roguing it for wild oats, like, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, a, a very effective way of uh, eliminating it and a very safe way of eliminating it. But 
Uh, well, it is. I mean, and, and you mentioned, look, wild oats, there's black grass, there's there's brome, Italian ryegrass. All these things are, are, are problem weeds. And, and as you said, you know, if, if we give them the opportunity to persist and and prevail, they will expand out. And, and machinery hygiene is, is a really important part of it. But ultimately, it comes down to spotting. And if you spot it, you know, take it out whether that's hand roguing or, or spot spraying or whatever is required, it, it really needs to be a, a zero tolerance, especially in regard to black rats. Right. And as you say, then you've spoken about the five uh, uh, areas that you're going to tackle on Wednesday uh, in the Lyrat House, you know. Uh, so and you said there will be plenty of time then for those who attend uh, to interact with the speakers. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very important. Look, there's, there's. I think when you run through all the sessions, there's, there's over fifteen presentations, and when somebody hears that, they, they might roll their eyes at, at the thought of fifteen presentations. But actually, the presentations are, are short and snappy and to the point. Uh, there's a lot of areas that we need to cover based on the, the mm-hmm. queries and feedback we get from stakeholders. We want to try and cover as much as possible, uh, as clearly and succinctly as possible. But then we need that feedback and the questions because, you know, a lot of these the, the presentations are there to elicit discussion as well and to get viewpoints. And through the day as well, we'll be polling the audience uh, for their opinions on certain issues, be it, you know, the use of chemistries, et cetera, or plans for IPM as well. So the whole day will be very interactive. And, and because of that, we really hope people attend, but also that they, they take many messages and learnings home from it. OK, well, then finally, uh, just give out the details again, please, Ewan. Sure. So it's uh, Wednesday, January the 25th, next Wednesday, in the Lyrat Conference Centre in Kilkenny. You arrive at nine and the conference kicks off at half nine and it'll all be done and dusted by 4 p.m. You can pre-register at chagas.ie forward slash events. Just scroll down there and you'll see the register button. And you can also pay at the, on the day as well at the counter. But we really would encourage people to, to pre-register if at all possible. Okay, well, look at you, and thanks very much for joining me this morning. That listeners was you and Mullins from Chagas. But more importantly, if you're a tillage farmer, uh, the event next Wednesday is one that you should not miss. Thanks, Jim. Listeners, my final guest this morning is Katrina Morrissey from the Irish Farmers Journal. Many of you who have read her article this week in the journal with regard to various pieces of equipment been stolen from farmyards, even very big pieces of equipment. So, Katrina's uh, with me this morning to talk about that. Good morning and a very happy new year to you. Many happy returns, Jim. Okay. Now, this is a serious problem, isn't it? It is a serious problem, and I suppose it's something we report on in the Farmers Journal, uh, if not on a weekly basis, and certainly on a monthly basis of various um, r- types of rural crime but this week i suppose there's been a spate of um, machinery thefts large tractors large machines um, being taken from farms and moved in very long distances in some cases yeah i see uh, one went from kerry virtually up to northern ireland that's right yeah so uh, uh, um, a really interesting story so uh, a john deere tractor and 2000 gallon sorry 2000 gallon slurry tank were taken from County Kerry and tracked the entire way by one of... So it was taken from a contractor's yard in mm-hmm. Kerry and one of his drivers decided that he was going to... He took it upon himself to try and locate this tractor and slurry tank and was able to track it through the power of social media, 
um, managed to track the tractor through Limerick, uh, through uh, Athlone in County Westmead, through Ballymahan, Edgeworthstown, Grenard in County Longford, Castleblaney, County Monaghan, and then it was finally located by the PSNI near the village of Keedy, which is in County Armagh, and uh, 350 kilometres away from the yard that it was taken in a week before. You know, that's scary, isn't it? It is scary. Now, thankfully, in this case, a 30-year-old man has been charged with handling property stolen in the Republic of Ireland. That's the, the charge from the PSNI. So hopefully that will lead to uh, a prosecution and ultimately another deterrence to stop this type of thing happening. But interestingly, there was a, a different tractor, Matthew Ferguson, and another slurry tanker reported stolen in County Armagh this time. And it was recovered in Casablanca County, Monaghan. So, you know, there's obviously... Um, a bit of cross-border movement there, but by no means is this limited to cross-border movement because we have a number of tractor thefts and fraud-related um, stories in this week's paper, including a Longford dealer who has pleaded guilty to possession of stolen tractors. They were two tractors uh, taken from the UK and also a Jeep stolen from a farm in County Wexford. So now that's the big pieces, but uh, the small pieces seem to be disappearing as well, whether it is quad bikes or pieces of machinery like toppers and uh, fertiliser spreaders. Absolutely. I mean, it is much harder to move a tractor and a slurry tank than it is, for example, a quad. A quad can be driven off across a field. It can be loaded into a horse box or a cattle box and disappear very, very quickly. There is constant reports of thefts. I mean, the Gardaí have told us in the past, you know, among the top 10 items taken from farms, things like chainsaws, quads, trailers, I suppose, liftable um, machinery that, that farmers have in use all the time, not always locked away behind a, a locked door um, and easy to move on, I suppose, take from the farm itself and then potentially sell on on a secondhand black market. Now, I see you are also talking then, you have it in the in the article, uh, to uh, a man involved in supplying CCTV, particularly for calving at this time of the year. But of course, it has other uses as well, and in particularly to try to prevent the criminal from taking your tractor or whatever tool they want to take from you. Exactly. Yeah. So this is uh, my colleague Rachel Donovan mm. was speaking to Jamie Nolan, who is the owner of the AgriCam um, mm. calving camera company. And he just said that, that some of his trade is not just, I suppose, the calving cameras to watch cows calving, but farmers are installing them in order to be able to keep an eye on the farmyard when they're away or, God forbid, to be able to look back on footage if there is a problem, if there is a theft. He installs um, a lot of alert cameras, they're called. Mm -hmm. So it's a different type of camera where it will send a notification to your phone and that someone has come into the yard, either a person or a vehicle has entered the yard. It will send a notification to your phone. You can check and make sure that's either someone or something legitimate in the yard. And he said he's seen an awful increase in farmers uh, coming back to him who have his cameras installed and saying, you know, can we get the footage of that? They want to use it for the, the guards to look back at, whether that's to actually investigate or to prosecute. Then we have had cases where CCTV footage and dash cams and social media footage have been used in order to prosecute um, in these cases. So a good idea, I think.
Yeah, and isn't it true as well, Katrina, that you may have something on you know, your mobile phone or uh, stored on a, a memory card because, through your CCTV, uh, but sometimes that's not admissible in court. That's right, and the technicalities of that is something you'd want to be talking to the guards and the solicitor about. But nonetheless, I would imagine it has to be useful that if you have footage showing something, while it may not be the key piece of evidence, if it's part of a bigger body of evidence, I would imagine that any judge will take it into account. You know, we have this, uh, or the IFA and uh, on Garda Shikana, then they have this meta whereby they could, would we put... Uh, your air code. Does that help in trying to get to trace the machinery and get it back? Well, it absolutely helps to um, return it to the rightful owner mm. if it is found. Um, so as far as I know, what you're talking about, Jim, is the Property Marking Ireland um, yeah. scheme. And yeah. what they do is, as you say, put um, your air code typically, let's say, onto your trailer, if it's an Eiffel Williams cattle box, and it could be either discreet or very visible and some people go for the very visible thing because that's a deterrent in itself you know if a thief is looking for two Eiffel Williams is looking at two Eiffel Williams trailers in different yards and one has got the air code plastered all over it and is kind of distinctive to look at versus one that has no markings on it um, and could probably blend in and traffic over the one that is going to be easier to move. But Gardaí have always said that, you know, they do recover a lot of items from burglaries or, you know, maybe they come across a stash, you know, from mm-hmm. a criminal. And unfortunately, they can't return that to the rightful owners in a lot of cases. You know, we, we've seen warehouses. In fact, the guards uh, did about two or three years ago open up um, a warehouse in Thurles, as That's far as right. I know, yeah. uh, um, uh, where uh, they invited the public in to see if they could identify their uh, stolen property. If there was an identifying mark like the air code or like a serial number recorded by the owner, it would make their job a lot easier to be able to return uh, property to their rightful owners. Right, yo. And then, you know, from your experience writing about this, and as you say, it features on a regular basis in the journal, maybe uh, to a lesser extent, uh, machinery stolen aren't as big as what had been stolen recently. What advice would you offer to any farmer listening to us this morning, Katharina? In terms of, I suppose, general burglaries and theft prevention, the guard advice is always to, I think they call it lock up and light up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, put the thing behind a door, put a lock on the door and light up your yard, because, again, it makes it less inviting for a criminal coming into the place. If they think they can be seen or they think they might be monitored using cameras. Um, in general, then, I suppose uh, we did speak to Detective Guard Eugene O'Sullivan, who's in the Stolen Motor Vehicle Investigations Unit of the Guards. And he has a lot of good advice there for farmers who are buying secondhand tractors, because what we have reported this week is I think the seven or eight tractors in our stories yeah. this week all moved from the UK to Ireland or from one county to another county. And, and they are going to, you know, they're there to be sold to an unwitting um, new buyer. So he has advice on what documentation you should look for and what log books you should be um, asking the mm-hmm. seller for. And, you know, really just just useful advice there, I think, for someone to remind themselves that uh, what, what you should be looking for when you're going for a secondhand tractor. And the old thing always um, applies, you know, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Okay, well, look, thanks, Mill, for joining us this morning. And listeners, if you want to know more about us and you haven't already bought this week's Farmer's Journal, uh, why not go out and buy it? That, listeners, is 
Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon Dewar presents Down Your Way.